Welcome to Courageous Help by BASE, where we believe in the power of assistance to change the world. I'm Natalie Turner of BASE, formerly an executive assistant, now designing learning and development exclusively for EAs to leverage skills and maximize impact. On Courageous Help, we sit down with current and former assistants who are challenging the status quo, from impacting global business practices to molding new career paths and beyond, all while managing their full plate as an assistant. Join us while we explore how today's assistants can leverage their position to drive positive change. Today on Courageous Help, I am very excited to be chatting with Annie Kroner. Annie is the founder and CEO of Whole Assistant, an online platform and community formed to provide a positive place where assistants can go to transform their lives and level up their careers. Annie has made it her focus to help assistants achieve their goals and manage everything on their plates while finding freedom from overwhelm and burnout. Over her 20 plus years as an assistant, Annie has worked for boutique companies across multiple industries, including accounting, marketing, nonprofit, and private wealth management. Working in a variety of settings has led to a diverse understanding of the assistant role and the many challenges that often come with it. Annie lives in Denver, Colorado, where she enjoys green smoothies, her family, and an occasional evening of Latin dancing. To start us off, Annie, I would love it if you could share a bit about how you ended up becoming an assistant and then ultimately founding a company for assistance. Can you share a little bit more about your journey? Yes. Thank you for having me, Natalie. I'm really excited to be here with you today. So I started out in the administrative profession when I back in college. So a gal had noticed me and she had said like she wanted me to come work for her and like I have no experience this is when I was 18 years old I'm like I have mm-hmm. no experience and she's like that's okay I can mold you and so I did that to pay the bills through college along with waiting tables as most of us tend to do at some point in our lives and then after college uh, I moved to Boston to start a theater company and I'm a lighting I was a lighting designer and I just knew that I wanted to stay in that vein of work to pay the bills. But then I began to notice my boss. So I was a receptionist in Boston at a consulting firm. And I just noticed the respect that she had from her executive, who was our CEO and founder. And I just saw the level of trust that they shared with one another. And I saw their relationship and I saw how she really was a strategic business partner before that term was even used. Like she just with somebody who he, who had his full trust and like that's what I want. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Cuz at the time I was like I did wasn't sure I wanted to be in theater. I didn't want to be in a theater all night while my partner was working all day. It just wasn't conducive to like a work-life integration that I wanted. And so I just kind of formed my career after that relationship that I saw and I made intentional choices to get me to a place where I was supporting one high-level executive was his right-hand person. And then back in 2018, I was looking for community. I was looking for something that resonated with me and I wasn't really finding it. Mm-hmm. And so I I just decided that I was going to start my own community, that I had something to say about the profession. So I started blogging. And then back in 2019, I got pregnant with my son, hired a coach for myself, had such a transformative experience. She saw me through 
the pregnancy, she saw me through like, and I, my thing then was work-life balance. Like I'm going to have this baby. I'm not going to be, how am I going to juggle a baby with a job? What does that look like? My identity is so wrapped into being like this amazing executive assistant. And like, I loved the role so much that I wasn't sure where a baby fit in. So I wanted somebody to help me also kind of manage my (laughs) self-care. I just knew if I'm managing these two things, there's no way that I'm going to be able to take care of myself. So hired my first coach, had such an amazing experience, and then COVID hit, right? Mm-hmm. So she saw me through the first, first part of COVID when I'm literally juggling like a new infant for the first time, working from home, all the things. And then I'm like, that's it. I've got to pivot. I've got to tell my story. Um, and I have this kind of dramatic story of burnout. So I started sharing that part. And I started, I also took training to become a coach so I could walk other assistants past burnout, help them level up free from overwhelm and burnout. So that's what I do now. I quit my full-time executive assistant role two months ago. And now at like four and a half years in of starting whole assistant. uh, So I was doing both there for four and a half years. And with my executive's blessing, I set aside the assistant portion. And now I'm coaching assistants full-time and training assistants as well. So that's kind of my winding path as a lot of us have in this role. Uh, so yeah, I hope that answers your question, but it's just kind yeah. of like the the crazy winding path to land where you are, right? Yeah. Gosh, thank you for sharing that. There's so many things in there that I want to unpack. Uh, so first, like first off, the I love that you shared about how you saw a really like high functioning relating or like relationship between an EA and their executive and you saw it and was and were like I want that. Like I think that's the first time that I've heard that type of thing articulated. You know, we hear, oh, you know, I was in another department and somebody tapped me for this role and or or whatever it is, but hearing that thunder, <laughs> you probably hear that too. But yeah, hearing that you witness this relationship and decided to do everything in your power to to kind of get yourself into a similar career path. I thought that that was really unique. So thank you for sharing that. I think that that's it. it to me, it points to uh, really the magic of when you can have a great partnership and like the allure there. So thanks for sharing that piece. And then I also just want to point out your your foresight of knowing like, okay, it's my full-time job essentially not to care for, but to think about and look after this executive. And here I am about to have another full-time person to look after (laughs) in pregnancy and knowing like, how am I going to balance that? And And, you know, having the thought of in advance, like, I need to figure this out. It wasn't after the fact. It wasn't, you know, you're trying to juggle a baby and a full-time job and you're like, oh, no. But you thought about it in advance. Do you mind to share a little bit more about what went into that? Yeah, a lot of anxiety went into that. I was so anxious. (laughs) I was like pregnant. I had, I started whole assistant at that point. Uh, so I was kind of doing both already, like blogging on the side and then working full time as an EA. And and I was just having like this like identity crisis of like, I don't even know what it looks like for me to be a mom and then let alone my self-care piece. 
And as I mentioned before, like I burnt out a few years prior, like dramatically, like physically had this like manifestation of burnout that I would never wish on anybody. So I'm like, had a lot of anxiety about burning out again and wanting to avoid that piece. And I was just so anxious about it that I'm like, I got to, I got to hire somebody to help me navigate these pieces and to help me, especially early on after I have the baby. So I worked it out with this coach who I was actually looking for me at the time. Like I was looking for an executive assistant who understood what it is that we go through every day, Mm -hmm. who could help me navigate that part in addition to like bringing in this new human. And so I found somebody who did something similar. So who had been an assistant in previous life and was coaching a different demographic, but she agreed to meet with me and like, okay, great. I, I will take it. And so I set it up to where I'd have a month off after I had the baby. And then like literally within the next six weeks, we were in lockdown. And so I, neither of us could have anticipated that part of it, but I think that's what led me to it. I just, I just had this like identity crisis and like this desire to still do a good job at work, but also needing to figure out how this human fit into the picture. Mm, Yeah. I'm thinking about reaching out for help in that way. And I'm familiar with with the coaching space as well and and thinking about again the the space that you were in and thinking through whether it was anxiety or even just you know you had already started <laughs> thinking of yourself as like a whole holistic being and and blogging about yeah. it and all of it like the coaching piece of being proactive in like the like you didn't wait until you were underwater and then maybe it would have looked like therapy or maybe it would have looked like, and not, yeah. not to say that you didn't do that too. I don't, I don't know. We don't have to share that part of your journey, but just, yeah, I, I love the piece where you thought about it in advance and sought not just help, but like someone to help you plan, someone to help you strategize versus, and, and that's like, that's such an assistant thing to do, right? To think about totally. it, in, <laughs> to think about it in advance versus waiting for, waiting for the crash. Yeah. And then lastly, yeah, I just want to celebrate congratulations on on being full time with with whole assistant. That's uh that's quite a quite a feat and I know you said uh you had your your executive's blessing and I'm sure that was probably a pretty hard transition but also like exciting. You know, it's funny cuz like I never saw myself not being an EA. Mm-hmm. Like I just love the role. I love what we do so much, but I just noticed more and more as my business grew and as clients began to find me and as I began to train more and people were wanting me to come like speak and do all the things, I'm like, okay, this is not. And then also I had my second baby last year and I'm like, I'm no longer able to like be Johnny on the spot for him anymore. It's still providing a great level of value. I'm still bringing a lot to the table, but I kind of had to pick and choose. And I, and, you know, I think, I think that like the last four and a half years of coaching assistance and being there and also developing the self-trust that I had developed over that time, I'm like, okay, I think I'm ready to take the leap. It didn't happen overnight. And honestly, I never saw myself. I I just knew I I just knew that I would always work for him or not work at all for and not Mm -hmm. work at all as an assistant because I just really appreciated that relationship after 20 years of being in the administrative world. I finally landed in a role like I aspired to early on when I was just a receptionist and like, I'm like, this is it. It's so awesome. I have his whole trust. I was running his entire life and world, managed three properties, managing his entire financial world, basically doing everything personal and executive for him. And over the course of that, my, my, the role shifted 
because I began to implement strategy like like systems and I began to find key players for his personal life and I began to find key players for for managing everything and then I'm like I think I made myself a little redundant here and my company's taken off so so well that now is a good time to transition so mm. it was almost natural how it happened and it was still scary you know that that paycheck that is so consistent giving that up I had an amazing benefits package like I was treated very well but I will say that like, I feel like my level of excellence is being an EA, but I feel like my zone of genius is coaching and really helping other EAs manage everything on their plate. So I just feel so privileged and so grateful that I am where I am today and so thankful for everyone who helped me get here. <laughs> yeah. I really appreciate you going into more detail about, you know, you were managing everything so well that you almost not made yourself redundant because, you know, you're irreplaceable, I'm sure. But you, (laughs) uh, yeah, you made everything run so well and had so many systems in place. Like, I I was going to say that's something we could all aspire to in a way. And I know that that, that's tricky with thinking about like job security and that kind of thing. Like you don't want to make yourself, (laughs) uh, you know, obsolete, but, but, but wow, what, what a mark of a, a job well done. And I also like that distinction between, I think you called it your your area of excellence versus your zone of genius. Yeah. 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 I never could have foreseen that I would have become a coach when I started out, like not even six or seven years ago, you know, but I think that I, because I had the support of my executive who him, he himself was an entrepreneur. So he was an ER doctor who created an app and sold it to Aetna for a lot of money. And then now he funds other startups. And so I think he, I think that's why we got along so well, because I had this entrepreneurial thing yeah. and which also helped me level up. Right. Cause if I'm constantly helping other people and like constantly strategizing with other people on how they're going to add more value, like that's where my focus was always. So then I was adding more value as well. So for, so for like the, for like the five and a half years that we worked together, it was just pretty flawless and seamless. And I do think that I do think that I'm going to miss him to a certain extent and I'm going to miss his family cuz I I got really close with them as well. Yeah. But I will say that like launching into this new thing has been its own its own separate adventure and I do feel fully aligned with what I'm doing now which feels really good. It feels really good to be able to help other people. Like that's all we want to do as assistants, right? Is just help other people. Yeah. <laughs> and this is just a so, context. Right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, we've kind of danced around this question a little bit, but I, I I have to ask it outright since it is our our big question of the podcast. So how do you think that assistants are changing the world and how are you supporting that? I think assistants are the glue that holds a company together. I also think that assistants are the bridge between their executive and the rep of the company when you think about it, because they aren't going to go to the executive with everything that they're concerned about all the things, but they will go to his EA. (laughs) So whether you're supporting like a smaller team within a larger organization, or you're supporting a a middle management or a C-suite executive, people are going to come to you with their concerns. And we can kind of like, we can kind of interpret that information for our executive. Not that we're going to like spill the beans or sell anybody out, but we can be like, Hey, are you aware of this dynamic? 
Hey, are like, are you sh- like, Hey, you should check in with so-and-so they lost a loved one or, you know, you know, just being that kind of bridge between the executive and the rest of the organization. And I feel like that is a great way that we can all really embody the role. And I do feel like the more we own our role and stand in our power, the more things are going to be like, I'm also a big fan of whenever I coach somebody, we really get clear on what their values are. And then from there, it helps the executive, not only show up the executive assistant, not only show up at a higher level for herself, but also for her team and executive is to set healthy boundaries and parameters around her time, energy, and personhood. And I'm using the she pronoun there. Male, this is for men too. This is for they. So I that's what I do. I help, I help assistants really kind of manage everything on their plate and set those healthy boundaries. And as we begin to show up more from an empowered place, I think it will change the role more. And I've seen it in across our industry as I've advocated for assistance, as I have like really been paying attention to what assistants are really wanting now, as opposed to even 10 or 15 years ago, I've seen like this uptick in companies really wanting to make their support team, their administrative team feel included and apart and valued. And that I feel like that changes the world already because when you can show up more strategically for your executive and you aren't shut out of that, that, that position, then everything changes. Your satisfaction in work changes. Like your 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 uh, how you show up for your executive changes. Like all of those pieces, it adds a richer environment, work environment for everyone. So that's how I see assistance changing the world, and I'm so excited to be a part of it in my own small way by helping assistants feel confident and by coaching them to really level up and add more value and also set those boundaries in place so that they can get the strategic items off their plate so that they can show up more strategically at work so that they can also have a good work-life integration that suits and serves them. And I feel like we can all use more of that assistant or not. So yeah. Yeah. I, I really love what you're sharing about uh, EAs being the bridge between executives and others in the company, the kind of EAs being the relational bridge or, or to the human side of business, you know? Um, yeah. And I'm curious, could you share some thoughts on how EAs could do this more intentionally? Yeah. I think it's a matter of always being solutions oriented and always having your executives back and the best interests of the company at heart right? So if somebody is disgruntled or dissatisfied and you notice it and your executives, if your executive is like over here being so high level that he can't even, he, he, he just doesn't know. He just doesn't know. So if you can actually bring up a dynamic without selling someone out, like we want to be that confidant. We don't want to like throw anybody under the bus or anything like that. But if you can like point out a dynamic that's unhealthy and help him kind of reframe that for him, then he's going to show up differently with that person and and hopefully like be that bridge. So I think, I think it's a matter of being, even being aware that we're the bridge, <laughs> that yeah. awareness piece is like key to even knowing that that's part of our role. And it's a vital part of our role because the executives are up here throwing litter and they're visionaries <laughs> and then we're the boots on the ground. And we can often feel like, why am I even in this room? Like, why am I even here? What, like, I don't even understand why I'm in this room. I'm just so different. And I, you're in the room because you're different and you're Mm -hmm. in the room because you're needed in that room. And you're in the room because you can see 10 steps down the road with any decision 
Whereas the visionaries can't always see that. That's why you're in the room. So that's another way in which we can recognize our value and really step into like that bridge role and being like, okay, wait a minute. I see what you're saying, but do you realize that 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 decision is going to have these implications, right? So that's why you're in the room. That's why you're the bridge. Like, I think that if we were to recognize it more, we could actually stand in our power a bit more and be more confident whenever we spoke up and realizing that it's okay to be different, that that's a strength, not a weakness. I'm just like digesting what you're saying about like, that's why you're in the room. What a big deal. So in your view, can you share more about how being this bridge helps EAs be more strategic business partners? I mean, I know you shared like, that's why you're there, but just kind of bringing together thinking like big picture, also being the boots on the ground, like you mentioned. Yeah, it is. I think it's a hard thing to do, right? Because like we're expected to be able to see the vision that our executive sees and like enact the plan. And that takes a level of strategy that a lot of us don't realize. A lot of us get in the weeds and what ends up happening is we end up playing whack-a-mole all the time. Yeah. Because we're just, we're just a taskmaster and we're just constantly like, trying to not even let things hit our plate. So it feels like this constant game of whack-a-mole instead of really strategically showing up for your executive, considering when it's appropriate to speak up, when it's not appropriate to speak up, really, really, really articulating to them, really getting clear on their boundaries, first of all, on, on, on on their priorities, first of all, and then adopting their priorities while keeping the, the, uh, the, the company as a whole in mind, right? So I think that that's, that's another piece to this whole strategy piece is like, we have got to adopt our executives' priorities and also kind of help them disseminate their own priorities. Like oftentimes our executives feel like they just want to make everybody happy. So they want to meet with everybody and they want to like, they want everybody to feel good and accepted. And they want to do, you know, especially I've seen this time and again, where I'll meet with uh, one of my clients and they'll, they will, they'll tell me like, Annie, I don't know what the priorities are because he doesn't know what the priorities are. Okay. Mm-hmm. So then you sit down with him, <laughs> you get clear on the priorities, you write them out, you send him a follow-up email with what his priorities are. And yeah. then you hold him, kind of, you kind of have to hold him accountable to those things too. Otherwise he's over here, like throwing glitter that he can't put back in the bottle. You're over here trying to clean up all the glitter that he's thrown and trying to like make sense of it all. Instead of actually holding your executive accountable to his priorities so that you can show up strategically and keep him in line with his priorities and like make sure that the rest of the company is taken care of as well, right? Like that's 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 a good way that we can show up strategically in our role and kind of bridge the gap between where your executive is currently and how it's affecting the rest of the company and also like keeping him aligned and on point and on track with his goals and his priorities for the company. And also like we are just the the keeper of the company culture as well. Yeah. As that gatekeeper person, like that's a huge value add. And that's a way that I don't think a lot of us realize, but we are the keeper of the company culture. We're the ones who are looking out for the birthdays and we're the ones who are looking out for the anniversaries. And we're the ones who know about losses and we're the ones who can like celebrate the wins and be there for people when they're grieving and like let let your executive know about all those like interpersonal relational relational dynamics that are so key to company culture. Yeah. And what ends up happening more often than not is we end up complaining, which then just like breaks down the company culture instead of like building that piece up. So those are some ways in which we can like be the bridge and like really close the gap and really kind of step into our power 
and recognize the value we bring to our executive and executives and organization. I'm sorry, that was a really long answer. <laughs> no, I was going to say I really appreciated like the specific examples and like getting granular with it because I think this is one of those topics that we can we can speak vaguely about all day and kind of rah-rah about all day, but getting into the real practical like practicalities of it is really helpful. So I appreciate you sharing all of that. And so, yeah. you know, holding all of that uh, everything you just named is is quite a bit. And uh, you you were speaking earlier about you reaching a really difficult point in your life with burnout. And I know that, you know, assistants are potentially especially prone to burnout because of all the things that we're holding. So for those who are experiencing burnout or think they might be experiencing it, could you walk through some of the big kind of warning signs that indicate you might be headed toward burnout and need to make some shifts? Yes. So if you're making lots of mistakes mm. and if you feel like you can't concentrate on one thing at a time and you're feeling frazzled and you're feeling like you're stumbling and you can't quite get your footing and you just keep, you just can't quite get a grip on where you're at in space or time and you're feeling overwhelmed and overloaded by everything that's on your plate, you feel like your task, your tasks are through the roof, like the list is through the roof. And it's a very real thing that we deal with as assistants. There are just so many moving parts. So those are some warning signs. Also, it can manifest physically. So if you're experiencing lots of aches and pains, or you're 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 constantly having headaches, or your 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 shoulders are up near your ears, <laughs> and you're trying to figure out like how you can stop making the mistakes and how you can like manage everything on your plate and you just can't keep up. Those are some very clear signs that you're bordering on burnout. And it's a, it's a very real thing. I, I just want everyone out there to know that everybody's been there. If you're an EA, especially I feel like, and you have a lot on your plate, it's normal. It doesn't mean that it's not real though. I just want you to know like just because it's normal doesn't mean it should be. And yeah, those are some good, those are the signs that I know of for burnout. Yeah. And you can share as much or as little as you like on this, but do you mind to share, how did you get through it or, or taken a different way? You could say, you know, what advice would you have for others who are struggling with it? Okay. So my, my burnout manifested as a stroke at the office. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, so I was working 60 plus hours a week at a, at a, at a, an accounting firm during tax season. I was in a place in life that I wasn't particularly fond of. I was living in Twin Falls, Idaho, which is my hometown, but it wasn't a place that I had any friends or any real support other than my family who I love. And they're really great. But I got up a morning, went into the office, went to the back to grab some, some food had a stroke, dragged myself up to the front of the office. By the time I got to the front, my left arm was rigid and my left leg was dragging behind me. And I put my head on the desk and my colleagues called 911. And I think that like, for most of us, it's not going to manifest like that. Yeah, It's going to manifest much more, much more subversely. (laughs) And so, and it's still a very real thing. So I, I would say that, you know, there's a whiplash effect that happens 
when you're recovering from burnout, where it's like any anything that happens that was like your former situation, we have a knee-jerk response to. We're like, oh my gosh, this is like that situation. I have to leave my job. And then what <laughs> ends up happening is we end up job hopping for a little while because we're like, we think that we think that we're gonna land in the same place. And so mm-hmm. I help assistants move past that too. Like the like the effects of burnout, if you're already in burnout, how to move past it when you're living it, and then also how to move past it post-burnout. It can look like, you know, it, it's hard because a lot of us have health stuff too. Yeah. That and then we burn out because of health things. And then there's this job that's really demanding on top of it. So it's going to look different for everyone, but I would say that like really setting for yourself clear boundaries will go a long way in ensuring that you don't burn out. It'll go a long way in ensuring that that you are really being intentional with things that fill you up and bring you joy <laughs> and that you're able to step away from your role at the end of the day guilt-free, right? Like that's the goal for all of us is to kind of eliminate that burnout piece, eliminate the overwhelm piece so that you can have some semblance of work-life integration that feels good to you and true to your values. Yeah. So I love everything you just said and, and how, you know, whether it's you have health things outside of burnout and then it kind of becomes like a chicken or the egg thing where you have this job that's demanding and then it exacerbates the health and then it exacerbates the not being great at your job, not that you're not great at your job, but the not being able to show up the way that you would want to. And I think a lot of people can probably really relate to that. And then the piece you were saying about boundaries, you know, in this, in this EA role, having healthy boundaries and saying no, uh, can often feel at odds with what makes assistants good at their jobs or or how that's perceived. So could you share more about like, what would you say to EAs who are struggling to find and set healthy boundaries at work? Yeah. So I think a lot of us have a, a different idea of boundaries and what boundaries actually are. I think a lot, a lot of us, when we think about setting healthy boundaries, especially at work, we think of marching into someone's office and laying down the law and like being like, I'm not going to do this. and I'm not going to do that. And like, it's It's very confrontational in our head. It's no wonder that none of us like to set healthy boundaries. So I would say that like, if you're, if you're worried about that, I want to put your mind at ease. Boundaries is about how you decide to show up for yourself every day. And so for example, if you, and, and I like to view boundaries in three parts. So there's like the time boundaries, there's the energy boundaries, and there's the personhood boundaries. So a good example of a time boundary would be like at the end of the day, five or six o'clock, when my work day is officially done, I am going to be done with work also. It's just a good time boundary to have, right? So when your executive comes in is like two minutes before you leave and is like, oh, can you help me with this thing last minute? Da, 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 da. If it can wait till tomorrow and you know, I'd be like, oh, I'm so sorry, I've got to leave. Because <laughs> you've set for yourself that boundary, right? And then it manifests with others when you hold the boundary, right? So if somebody is asking something of you, and that's just a good communication piece to have with your executive anyway, like, don't come to me five minutes before I leave with a request to do something because I may not be able to accommodate that request. Like it's just a good communication piece if it's happening regularly to have that conversation with your executive. Yeah. And and like a good energy boundary would be like, I'm not going to check work email after work. And then what do we do? We're on our phones. And then we're wondering if we got a reply back on that email. And then we're checking our work email and then we're in it. And then we're working. And then we're sending emails. And that portrays to everybody that our boundary actually isn't our boundary, right? So boundaries are more about how you decide to show up for yourself every day than they are about like cutting people out and like laying down the law, being super confrontational. 
So that's what I'd, that's what I'd say about boundaries, just to encourage you all like to put your mind at ease, (laughs) just start showing up for yourself with love and compassion. Start putting yourself higher in your own priority list. That's how we set healthy boundaries for ourselves. Believe me, I learned the hard way. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> I I really like that distinction of, you know, it doesn't have to be confrontational. It doesn't have to be making this big declaration. It's more in you showing up and you kind of holding to how you'd like to show up. You mentioned the time boundaries, the energetic boundaries. You also mentioned personhood. And I, I to me, that is the one that I felt least familiar with. Would you mind sharing an example of a, a personhood? boundary. Yeah. So I had this one EA one time, tell me that her executive threw a stapler at her. Mm. And like, I think with time and energy boundaries, sometimes the conversation needs to be had, but I think with personhood boundaries, you owe nobody an explanation. Like you can do an about face and leave. If somebody raises their voice at you, if somebody's yelling at you, if somebody's throwing things at you, that those are personhood violations and you don't owe anybody an explanation and you can do an about face and just leave or hang up the phone or end the call or whatever. That's what I mean when I say personhood, right? Like physical boundaries, physical touch, anything like that. Like you can just, you can just walk away. Yeah. Like your basic human dignity, that, that right. kind of thing. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Thanks you know, the thing, the thing that. that we <laughs> as women kind of struggle with sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah well, that's not always made easy for us. So, uh, and then kind of a follow-up question around boundaries is how do you think that we can start to untangle the way that EAs tie their value to their ability to be as supportive as possible to others, or even if that goes into people pleasing or that kind of thing. So how do we yeah, untangle I like think... my value is in how helpful I am? Yeah. This is a really great question. This is a very important question to answer. And I think that We have to untangle our innate worthiness and our innate human value from the value we're adding to our executive and organization. Like you are not the value add to your executive and organization, believe it or not. Like your value is apart from that as a human. So, and so often we get those confused. We think that oh, I'm not valuable unless I'm adding value. Yes, you are valuable by the by your very existence, by the very fact that you draw breath on this earth and take up space on this earth, you are valuable. So that is a premise for everything, right? So that we aren't looking for our value outside of ourselves because when we look for our value outside of ourselves, essentially what we're doing is tying our self-worth to an external thing, to our executive's approval, to, to maybe our, our kid's approval. And people-pleasing will happen for sure, which I define people-pleasing as making other people happy at your own expense, which can contribute to burnout for sure. Like if we're out over there trying to like make everyone in our world happy, and it can also lead to resentment because we're over here trying to make everyone happy and nobody's trying to make us happy. And so what ends up happening is we feel resentful, (laughs) resentful that we're not being seen, resentful that we're not being acknowledged, resentful that we're not getting the added girl instead of standing in our own self-sufficiency and worthiness when and offering value to our executive and organization from that place. Does that make sense? Yes, it does make sense. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for sharing that. And yeah, just the point about you're you're ultimately tying your value. Like if you're people pleasing or whatever, you're you're tying your value to something not just external, but something you have no control over. So like all of a sudden, your how you're defining yourself is based on you know something that you didn't have a say in to begin with. Like, even if we can feel like if I show up in this certain way, then I can make, it's almost, it it comes, it becomes kind of like covert manipulation almost and not necessarily like uh, that you're intending to manipulate anybody. But if you're, 
you know, showing up in such a way to make somebody happy so that you get their approval or their whatever, like if that doesn't happen, then then what? Like then where are you? So I, I really appreciate tying it back into like you're valuable because you are, period. So yeah. I yeah. will say too that like that's why a lot of us, like a lot of us really like to drive projects. We really like to drive things forward. And sometimes we get confused between inserting ourselves in our executive shoes, which is like looking at things from his vantage point, figuring out what he's going to ask or require next, being proactive, that sort of thing from like inserting ourselves in his brain. Like yes. I didn't get an ad girl. What is he thinking about me? Like I, I didn't, I didn't get his approval. He never said, thank you. What the hell? And then we end up trying to control people and not even realizing that we're doing it just to solve an inner issue in us. Right. Like that's an us issue, not a them issue. Sorry, maybe stepping on toes, but no, it's no, kind no. Of the reality. That was, no, that <laughs> somebody needed to hear that. So thank you for saying it. <laughs> I could talk with you all day, Annie, but before we kind of close out this conversation, are there any threads we didn't get to pull on all the way or last minute thoughts you'd like to share on anything we've talked about so far? No, this this has been a really amazing episode. We've covered a lot of ground. We've <laughs> discovered a lot of ground. Yeah. Yeah. I appreciate your willingness to to kind of dive dive deep with me. So yeah, my last question to wrap up today is do you have anything you'd like to promote or a resource that you'd like to share with the audience? Yeah. So y'all are listening to this podcast now. I also have a podcast. It's called The Whole Assistant Podcast. So please be sure to check it out on any platform where you listen to podcasts. And also if what I said about burnout today resonated with you, what I said about leveling up resonated with you, and you're curious about working with me. You can go ahead and email me at Annie, A-N-N-I-E, at wholeassistant.com, like Whole Foods, but wholeassistant.com, or connect with me on LinkedIn. I'm very active on LinkedIn. So Annie Kroner on LinkedIn. Awesome. And we'll get all those links and everything in our show notes so that people can find you easily. But yeah, thank you just so much for being here with, with me today, Annie. It was really great talking with you. It was such a pleasure. I'm honored that you had me. Thank you so much. Thanks. Thank you so much for joining us on this episode of Courageous Help, brought to you by BASE. Learn more about how BASE is helping modern assistants maximize their potential at basehq.com or find us on LinkedIn at basehq or on Instagram at the BASE app. Don't forget to subscribe to Courageous Help wherever you get your podcasts.